Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss X-Men number 55, the April 1969 issue, titled The Living Pharaoh. cover of this particular issue we apparently have the green silver surfer yes the the green surfer <laughs> oh yeah i guess he wouldn't be the green he's the green shiny surfer <laughs> uh it's not the living pharaoh because he doesn't have his headdress on and he appears to be naked maybe this is what the living pharaoh looks like after he's been doused in radiation and um is being supported by Marvel Girls telekinesis. <laughs> Either that or, I mean, the only other possibility is that it's Alex Summers, right? Oh, I suppose. He's not on the cover. Yeah. I don't know, though. Alex Summers isn't bald, and I don't recall him being this yeah, mo- it's. I guess we'll have to read the issue to find out who this is. <laughs> I'm sure that once we're done with this issue, it'll become quite clear who this character actually is. This is the first cover that I realized that Angel's outfit looks like a male stripper. Yeah, the suspenders are really bad. (laughs) And then I realized Iceman's outfit is kind of like a male stripper, too. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Maybe that was done for uh, Beast's enjoyment. Yeah, (laughs) Beast secretly designed all the outfits. And why is Cyclops crouching? I don't know. I mean, he's in a cool action pose. And why are they all in the middle, in midair? Whoever this green guy is seems to be making them all float, except for Angel. Yeah, he's kind of like exploding or something. Not exploding. There's like black bubbles and stuff surrounding him. But they're inverted bubbles. So it's like a black background with orange bubbles. I guess there's black bubbles in there, too. I don't really know. Let's let's open up this comic book and find out exactly what the heck is going on. No, let's discuss this cover some more for okay. like another 50 minutes. <laughs> Well, uh, there's a gray contraption in the background, which looks like some computery equipment. There's always computery equipment. Just, I was just kidding. Oh, Adam, I was going to roll with that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. I I should have known. You're the consummate (laughs) professional. That's right. Okay, so as we open it up, um, we get the double threat here, or or maybe even the triple threat. It's Roy Thomas writing, Don Heck laying it out, and Werner Roth penciling. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and Vince Coletta is inking, and Gene Izzo is lettering. Last issue was written by Arnold Drake. Right. We got... Uh, so we got part one written by Arnold Drake. Yeah, so Marvel is not really putting their A game behind this. Um, I think Arnold Drake quit. Oh, well... We did get a, a, a comment on the Facebook page uh, asking for all of us to agree that Arnold Drake is the worst writer ever. And I don't know if I'm qualified to make that uh, that leap, but he's pretty bad. I'm actually, I like Arnold Drake more than Roy Thomas. And maybe that's sacrilege. But I, I'm not going to say it's sacrilege. At I, least he had direction. I'm gonna, I mean, when you go into the annals of Marvel history, uh Arnold Drake and Roy Thomas aren't the two first people that come to mind, you know? Yes, that's or, true. Or like the definitive X-Men uh, innovators, those two aren't in there. You know, you get Stan Lee, you get Jack Kirby, and then it kind of goes to Chris Claremont. Right. You know, and then if you're really uh, in there, you, you go with uh, with uh, a Mr. Adams. He, he, gets, he makes a, an appearance in there as well. But I wouldn't even say that he's like definitively x-men you know what i'm saying like you ask the kids today that read the x-men and i'm sure there's not that many kids but they probably don't necessarily they're probably not familiar with neil adams um they're probably not familiar with chris claremont either 
You don't think so? I mean, Chris Claremont. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it's been too long. Well, he had a resurgence in the early 2000s, I thought, for for quite a while. And then they gave it to that other guy who went off and did Captain America. They I got... wouldn't call it a resurgence so much as they let him write the book again. <laughs> okay, well, either way. That's kind of where I lost track, so I'm not really sure uh, how that all panned out. So I'm going to be really excited in about eight years when we get to that point in the series. <laughs> well, why? I can't wait for Jim Lee. I can't wait for Chris Claremont to leave and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so... Uh, so where we, where we left off last oh, issue was... Or not where we... You know, last issue, we had the living pharaoh who, was, who wanted to kill uh, Scott Summers' brother, Alex, because he was a mutant. And we also had Cyclops... Um, knowing that Alex was a mutant, but Alex not knowing that he was a mutant. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned these two things for a reason. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm following along. I think I realize why you're mentioning all this. So listeners, don't forget. In fact, grab a notebook and write down what you just heard so that you can keep up. You can keep score. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so a Cyclops, he, he went down into the caverns to try and find his brother. And instead of finding his brother, he found the living Pharaoh. Who he had previously thought was dead. Right. He even says, they say I killed you. You know, I mean, I have to imagine that the X-Men have been involved in multiple costumed villain pass out scenarios or unconsciousness. Why are the police so focused on this one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so the pharaohs, he's kind of like, well, that's exactly what my plan was, you infidel. Now serve me on my march to world conquest. I've decided you must serve me. Yeah, something like that. Um, he never explains how it was that he died and why. I like to think that, I guess I, I don't really know. I, I at, at first I kind of thought that he was... Literally a pharaoh who had, like, been awoken by some, you know, thing that had happened, you know, the fourth night on the sixth full moon or something like that. And so he could just lay down and be dead because he maybe isn't alive. But now I'm not so sure. Now I just think he's a dude in an Egyptian costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would seem to be implied by this. <laughs> Did he have a power last uh, issue? Um, Somebody mentions that he shoots Laser beams from his hands or something yeah, like that. Yeah, okay, because I couldn't quite remember. Well, anyways, he now is not shooting anything from any part of his body. Apparently, he has a, I don't know, sacred ankh that he can shoot with. Right. Um, Which is kind of nice. I mean, I, I wouldn't put anything past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody offers me a death ray ankh. I'm not going to turn it down. I'd take that. And Is that, that how would, you pronounce it? Ankh? Ankh. All right. I guess. I don't think it's Ankh. I don't know what it is. I hung out with a lot of goth kids when I was in high school, and they all called them Ankhs. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you think I would know from watching Lost, but oh, I don't yeah. remember. See, I never watched a single episode of Lost. Were there Ankhs on Lost? There were. Well, a good show. Yeah, I didn't watch a single Highly episode. Recommended. I watched 15 minutes of one episode once, and I thought this might be interesting. And then the show Ooh, ended, right. and then the show ended, and everyone was like, "That was a big letdown." That's true. the <laughs> The ending was a bit of a letdown, but it doesn't make the journey any less impressive, in my opinion. I suppose you're right because it's usually not about the destination; it's usually about the journey. Just like this podcast. Right. We're going to get somewhere, and it's going to be the last episode at some point, and that's not going to be nearly as impressive as everything that we've done leading up to that last episode. Especially this episode. This is probably going to be remembered as one of the highlights. Yeah, I think you're right. Remember that Living Pharaoh episode? Oh, man. That's where I learned how to pronounce Ankh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cyclops died, dodges out of the way because he's highly trained. Um Cyclops decides to retaliate by using his ricochet power blast. So instead of just shooting the living pharaoh, he has to ricochet his power blast off of a wall. Because you it's think what... that would lessen the blow, but I don't know. You'd yeah, it's it's what you do, I guess. Maybe he was lessening the blow on purpose because he then says, "I can't really, I can't risk really hurting him 
because he may know where my brother is, which yeah, is, is, you know, that's sound. Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, and the living pharaoh's like, he calls it. He's like, you should have destroyed me while I was off balance, but you'll never have another chance. And then we flip over to Midtown, or the city somewhere, in which the police are looking for the mutant murderer. Let me tell you, this is the only panel in the entire comic with the police in it. Uh, I don't know why they felt the necessity to drop this in, but I guess it's a plot point they talked about last issue. So, but they say a plot point that will soon be dropped. Oh, I'm sure it'll be continued into the next issue, Adam. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they even tell us the corpus. Oh, I see the corpus delicti. What delicti? Delicate. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is either. It has disappeared. So, that I must... mean, it, it, it's obviously referring to the living pharaoh's body. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 Um, or is it the sarcophagus that they stole? Yeah, it could be that too. Okay. Um, apparently, the X Men, the remaining four X Men, still have the Avengers plane. Is that what that is? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, like six issues <laughs> ago, Angel's like, it's a good thing that the uh, Avengers lent us this airplane. Although I think that airplane had a bubble for the cockpit. And this seems to actually have, it looks like a speedboat floating, flying around. And hmm. it does not have the bubble cockpit. So I'm not sure where this plane came from. But since there's no other dialogue in here that explains where this flying contraption came from, I can only assume that they're still borrowing the Avengers plane. Okay. <laughs> In which case, I'm wondering if the Avengers are like sitting around going, man, Angels are just supposed to borrow it for like an hour. It's been like two months. We should call Tony. and give our plane back? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Didn't the professor leave them millions of dollars? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the X-Men went out and bought this <laughs> from somewhere. Could be. Yeah. This is the issue of unexplained things. I'm wondering in the Marvel universe, like, who is it that builds all of these things? I mean, I know in the Fantastic Four, they're like, Reed Richards is so smart that he can invent flying cars. But Reed Richards doesn't have the ability to smelt all that metal and make all the form factors and the panels and stuff. I mean, he would just have the knowledge to build, like, a repulsion engine or the wiring schematics to, you know, do all the energy beams. but like to all the fancy designs and stuff. I mean, that's some high tech manufacturing that has to happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's always just been assumed that Reed Richards is an all in one kind of engineer. He can do anything. He, he designs, he uh, invents, and he also builds. And I could buy a lot of that, but the thing I just have problems with is how does he fabricating all of these parts? I don't know. Uh, the Fantastic Four have a marketing department. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, so the X. I mean, they have their own building. They got money. That's a good point. Maybe maybe the bottom floor is just like a huge uh, manufacturing plant. Bunch of migrant workers down there smelting metal and yeah, putting forms together. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And that's where the uh, Avengers and the X Men go as they go to the Baxter Building. They're like, "Hey, we need a plane." Maybe yeah, that's how the fantastic. Maybe that's how the Fantastic Four subsidize their uh, superheroing is by fabricating all these parts for these space age vehicles. I think you're onto something. Oh. I think I earn a no prize for this one. <laughs> there should be a comic <laughs> just about that. <laughs> I, I agree. It should be like the backup story to like every comic book. It should just be like the nitnoidy details of how things <laughs> actually work. It'll be like the most boring, technically filled comic book ever. But people would still enjoy it. And oh, heck it. yeah. Arguments would be settled by it, and probably new arguments would be created. <laughs> well, anyway. All right, so the X-Men and their X-Jet. <laughs> oh, X-Men. I, I wanted to talk more about the vehicles and the uh, manufacturing <laughs> processes of the Marvel Universe. Sorry. <laughs> I'm moving on. All right, fine. I'm, I'm grabbing the bulls by the horns. Take it, Adam. Uh, the X-Men in their X-Jet, which may be the Avengers Quinjet, who knows. Uh, they fly above Manhattan, and Marvel Girl searches for a, a signal uh, to to any any sort of connection she can get to Scott to contact him mentally, which she successfully does. She picks up his thought waves. Mm -hmm. 
He's a bit south of us, she says. So mm. they, they start heading that way. Okay. And then he, he gets cut off. Well, Mar- or, uh, Cyclops, he, she, he feels or, or senses that Jean, she's coming this way with the X-Men. But apparently the mental shock of the contact made him lose his footing. And that's when the living Pharaoh was able to strike. And I'm not really sure what's happening in this panel because Cyclops is upside down. And um, the living Pharaoh is almost completely horizontal. Yeah, this is quite some uh, impressive acrobatics going on here. So I'm not sure which way is up, where the floor is. And of course, it's another one of these comics where the entire background is like this puke beige color. So you don't really (laughs) know where the floor is. But anyways, they're doing something very impressive. As a matter of fact, you turn to the next page and this whole page is phoned in. It's, It's a really lame fight scene. But all of the backgrounds are either red or orange. Well, this is Don Hex layouts. It's all foreground material. I think it's it's Don Hex layouts, but it's Werner Roth's actually pencils, right? So he, he, yeah. So you think Werner Roth is responsible for putting in backgrounds? Well, what does the layout guy do? I thought he just kind of laid out the panels and said, like, yeah, this... you might be right. Yeah, it sounds like you're right. And then like the penciler would be like, okay, I'm going to draw a background, <laughs> but not no. not this penciler. <laughs> Yeah, it's just color it red. I'm tired of this comic book. This is my last issue anyways. I'm out of here. <laughs> Screw you guys. All we need is a floor, Werner. I can't do it. Call my agent. I'm on my break. So, yeah, they, they're having a little fist fight. Um, we get a whole panel. Cyclops gets blasted in the face by the Ankh and then tripped, and then he punches the, the, the pharaoh in the face. Yeah, we get a whole panel dedicated to the pharaoh tripping Cyclops, and it's just two <laughs> feet. I mean, it must have taken <laughs> Werner Roth, like, a minute to draw this. Eh, good enough. <laughs> I'm so tired of this comic book. I got to say that when Cyclops punches the living pharaoh in the head, I mean, it's it's kind of a cool thing. Like, he basically evaporates the uh, living pharaoh's head. It's gone. It's like a white blur. Yeah, it's like a big white splotch. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they keep punching each other. Cyclops does a double-fisted punch across the living pharaoh's chest and it actually looks like i didn't look at this earlier it looks like the living pharaoh is stabbing cyclops in the back with his uh onk. well it's it's not it's not stabby it's just the blast yeah it's just really close to his back yeah it's like point blank onk blast right but apparently there seems to be a problem here the Ankh beams merely stun Cyclops, and apparently the living pharaoh thought that they would have a greater effect upon him, or anybody else, I guess. Again, this is never touched on again. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> and I'll see if I can remember where I pointed out where, where a connection seems to be made, which is also never brought back up, but it's an interesting one. Hopefully I don't forget. So, <laughs> so he decides, based on this fact that the Ankh is only stunning Cyclops, to hit him over the head with this, with the Ankh, mm-hmm. which he should have done from the, in the first place. Yeah, it's a very effective attack because then all of a sudden Cyclops is knocked out. Marvel Girl can no longer contact him, uh, and basically we just wasted a page of comic book. <laughs> <laughs> it was a battle scene. But that it was might, a fight. But that might mean, no, I mustn't even think it. Then don't, lady. Iceman snarls, apparently. Look at that face. <laughs> His lips are yeah, all he's, curled. He's, he's pretty angry. Yeah. All don't even of... consider it. Um, and so the X-Men, the remaining four X-Men, have a little dialogue about how they're going to find Cyclops. And then we get another thing that's never touched upon again. For a moment, I thought I had picked up a mental pattern somehow like Scott's, yet somehow horribly evil. Oh, See, this is the thing that I think ties into the Ankh. So, we've established, I don't know if we've established, but at some point we will establish, spoilers for those who are new to X-Men and mutant lore, that related mutants that are related to one another have a difficult time hurting one another with their mutant powers. In other words, they're, they're mostly immune to those powers, right? Mm-hmm. So, if the Ankh is a form of the living pharaoh's mutant power if you will and it barely hurts cyclops and then marvel girl senses a mental pattern like scott's but somehow horribly evil mightn't that make the living pharaoh his father 
Okay. (laughs) I'm just wondering. I mean, clearly that's not the case as we... Or some relation. I I can buy it. Oh, it's Uncle. It's Uncle Pharaoh. Well, we know that the Pharaoh is an actual Pharaoh because he says in the last issue that all Pharaohs are mutants and he's one of them. That's right. That's right. So maybe he's, yeah, or a great, great, great grandfather because that would explain why he's so interested in Alex and why... I don't know... I don't know if that makes him really old or if he's he's young or what the deal is. Uh, is there such thi- a thing as a young pharaoh? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, are there pharaohs still being born today? I mean, there's certainly people of pharaoh descent, but... Well, I mean, he could have been frozen at a young age oh. and traveled through uh, frozen in time, much like Captain America. Yeah, so he's the Captain America of uh, pharaohs. <laughs> he's Potentially. Captain Egypt. <laughs> oh, Okay. I'm just, uh, that that was the thing that I didn't want to forget, and I didn't forget. So um, I think that they were angling towards some sort of relationship between the Pharaoh and the Summers boys, but it'll never be touched on again. See, I, I assume she was thinking of Alex, but if that's true, that never comes into play. I, well, neither of them go evil. Well, no, I don't think Alex ever goes evil, does he? I don't know. Mm, um, I guess we'll find out, but... Spoilers, not this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, darn it, you gave it away. Well, (laughs) next time on Danger Room. Oh. So the uh, Pharaoh and his minions uh, carry Cyclops to the transport, which is just a couple of sleek vehicles heading towards JFK Airport. Do you think these guys are, like, Egyptian or they're just, I mean, because they're... They're, like, pretty white. <laughs> well, the living pharaoh's pretty white, too. I don't know, because in the last issue, the living pharaoh was like, come forth, my people, and they all came out of sarcophaguses. So I actually right, kind of right. assumed that these were just reanimated Egyptian slaves. And they all speak, we do as you command, Almighty One, and with, with their their uh, Egyptian kind of... Well, I don't know if it's Egyptian, <laughs> but don't think it's Egyptian. with their kind of old-school tongue. I believe Egyptian is Arabic, isn't it? Oh, that was deep, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Can we not slay them here at once? I mean, that's basically how Magneto speaks or Toad speaks. or Right. They <laughs> they speak in villainese. <laughs> <laughs> yes, villainese. Well coined, Adam. <laughs> so they're heading towards the airport. Uh, they get to, I don't know, customs or security or something. And they're now dressed in Shriners outfits. Right. Unless, I don't know, is, I, I guess... This is my ignorance shining through, but are fezes common in Egypt? Maybe they are, because wasn't Sala from Indiana Jones, and he wear a, a fez? He did. Yeah, okay. I, he wasn't Egyptian, though. He was just hanging out in Egypt. I am the monarch of the sea. <laughs> That's right. I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. I don't remember that part. I mean, oh. I do remember it. I just don't remember the song. Now you're making right. me want to watch uh, Return, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. He starts singing it after uh, drinking. Marion Ravenwood kisses him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they're transporting a mung- mummy uh, back to Egypt. It's a private specimen. Uh, apparently the living m- pharaoh uh, has papers. So yes. one would think that his real name is actually on those papers, or maybe it just says... El Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, apparently the cover story is that it is, that they're, they're taking the sarcophagus home uh, for burial. Right. Yeah. And we learn that the Pharaoh booked the entire plane. Mm-hmm. Cyclops is in a box and not actually in the sarcophagus. So we don't know what's in the sarcophagus, do we? Well, we I, I I knew by this time, but I won't I won't I guess I won't say if we're it, keeping it a secret. Don't spoil it, Adam. Okay. <laughs> so they dump out the box, and Cyclops comes tumbling out, and he's wearing a I don't know Cobra Commander mask, maybe. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's like a green Cobra Commander mask. Yeah. It's very serpentine. Yeah, uh, and he cannot uh, he can't get out of it basically. And it's preventing his optic blasts from working. It's preventing the mechanics from his um, visor from working. Although and Also, he can't see. And he can't see. But what I noticed here is that, like, 
it doesn't seem to be form factored around his visor. Like I don't see a visor imprint sticking out of this mask. Yeah, I, I yeah, I guess you just have to use your imagination. Okay. And so we go back to. Um, well, maybe they took his visor off. Maybe it's in his back pocket. Maybe, but I'm pretty sure I thought I saw somewhere in here that they said it prevents your visor from opening and closing. Oh, it 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 adheres to your visor so that you cannot open it. That's at the bottom of page ah, six. Ah, yes, okay. It also flattens out your visor. <laughs> <laughs> it is permanently mushed to your face. Oh. It's made of uh, what? Are, what are those things that Reed Richards uses? Unstable molecules. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Adam, I can't believe you couldn't call that. I had a brain fart. All costumes in the Marvel Universe are made out of unstable molecules. Well, they ought to be. <laughs> <laughs> they all buy them from Reed Richards Industries, right above the floor that makes all the vehicles. Right. <laughs> um, so they're taking him back to Egypt. Um, Cyclops realizes that he's been left alone, but he's hearing faint sounds coming from a mummy case, or the thing that I keep calling a sarcophagus. But she can't see, so he must have to, like, feel it around. Let's see. Uh, okay, this is a mummy case, I think. Uh, yeah, there's, there's little face features here. Okay. Nope, oh, there's a little yes, goatee thing. Definitely a sarcophagus. And this is where he says, it's Alex. He's locked inside a mummy case. Funny, I was always glad he developed no true mutant powers. Don't worry, that'll come back again. See, Cyclops will it's continue. sort of confusing because... That kind of makes sense. I mean, Cyclops could still know that he's a mutant, but just be happy that he didn't develop any powers. But does the power make the mutant? I don't know. Oh, oh, um, that's a good question. Because you could, that's a good question. I mean, theoretically, like a mole on your skin is a mutation. Well, we kind of established last issue that all mutants have athletic abilities. Well, that that was implied. That's what they no. That's what he said. I okay. think he out and out said <laughs> it was like, heavily implied. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I I guess I mean most superhero mutants that you see are athletically fit, but that's because they're pulling off crimes or solving crimes. I have to imagine that somewhere in the Marvel universe, there's some super powerful mutant sitting on his couch eating potato chips and watching Jerry Springer because he's just like I just don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's probably not physically fit or athletic. Well, uh, you mentioned Blob last episode. He's not very physically fit. Yeah, but you said that he could potentially be physically fit underneath his mutant power, which happens to be that of um, right. immensity. What about Toad? He doesn't seem physically fit. He was very athletic in the very in his very first apprentice. He was uh, winning long jumps and stuff. And running yeah, but that's his and... mutant power. Well, yeah, but I mean, he, he would have to be somewhat athletically fit to be yeah, able so. to be hopping around and stuff. Good it's stamina. It's confusing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that that was just something that uh, they just let um, Arnold Drake just threw out there like, oh, he's physically fit, which is kind of a trait of mutants. Yeah. yeah. So anyways... Um, The Avenger jet or whatever, uh, it has uh, tracked its way to the airplane. Apparently it was just flying around aimlessly, and now Marvel Girl has finally picked up Scott's uh, essence again. Yeah. It's Scott. He's in that plane. So they just happen to be, they just happen to cross paths, which is helpful. Um, Beast is apparently driving as somebody says, step on it, beastie baby. I hope it was Marvel Girl that said that. Step on the gas, beastie baby. <laughs> I've got a hunch that crate isn't going to stop till it hits a pyramid, sees a pyramid. And off they go. But apparently the airplane slows down as it has sensed or detected the little jet. And the living pharaoh is, amazingly, uh, his fez doesn't fall off as he opens up one of the cargo doors. And, Amazingly, a lot of things. <laughs> and shoots the airplane with his um, power onk. Beast or someone says uh, quite, quite uh, correctly, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and But it's happening, Warren. 
Oh, it was Warren who said it. Yeah, the man, he's bathing us in some kind of rays, which, ironically, isn't the thing that actually takes them down. Uh, Beast says, when I tried a full reverse to, uh, to for, uh, for our fall, the joystick broke. <laughs> so Beast broke the steering wheel of the airplane, which is the reason that they're ultimately going to crash. Shoddy Avengers equipment. <laughs> Uh, we get a very comical series of panels here in which Iceman makes uh, ice wings, which, come on, that would be heavier than the airplane <laughs> itself. <laughs> so they're speeding up uh, infinitely with the ice wings. But Angel says, don't worry, I'll fly out, grab onto the cockpit, flap my wings to slow our descent. Of a two-ton hunk of metal with about four tons of ice on it. <laughs> Yes, great plan. But it works. Of course. Yes, that's that's the second impossible thing we've seen today. <laughs> it's a record for the it X-Men. Won't be the last. <laughs> and they're standing on the floating um ship. Uh they're stuck out at sea, never to be seen again. Wow. <laughs> we'll find them again, says Marvel Girl. I know we will. We've got to. Yeah. Even though we don't know where they're going. Don't know where they're going. They're they're, that's the least of their troubles. The sharks are circling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although, like you said, someone said, I've got a hunch that crate isn't going to stop till it sees a pyramid. Lo and behold, we're at a pyramid, which apparently is the living pharaoh's base, I guess. Inside a tomb which was old when the rest of the world was savage jungle. Hmm, that's deep. Yeah. You you and the one called Alex may die deaths that befit a mutant born. So this kind of goes with his, you know, what his last last issue, he was he wanted to kill Alex cuz he was a mutant. Yeah. Still wants to kill now Alex and Cyclops cuz they're mutants even though he did want Cyclops to serve him for a hot minute there. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> what would that have bought him? I don't know. <laughs> a slave. I guess. <laughs> Uh, Mr. The X-Men have been threatened by experts. You ever hear of a guy named Magneto? In the living... Which living Pharaoh says, nope. Nope. And he flicks a switch which causes a clay cat to barf out water. <laughs> <laughs> Just puking gallons upon gallons of water into the basement of this pyramid. Poor kitty. Yeah. Uh, and the living Pharaoh once again leaves. Because apparently the living pharaoh does not believe in guarding his prisoners. Now, this is ridiculous because he he makes the cat barf, causing the water to fill up, which is supposedly going to make them drown. But we get two panels of that before they escape. It's it's just like the, the least exciting threat ever. Uh, it just, yeah, I don't know. It's the second time, though, that he's like, and now I will leave you alone to your own devices. Ta-ta. That guy is a big one for dramatic exits, says Scott. Uh, yes, but judging by his wet feet, that's the least of his troubles. I better go Even find Even though he's out. up to his knees. See, he's up to his knees in water, and yet right near, nearby he discovers the mummy case. Well, he says, wait. I heard the Pharaoh Stooges put down his mummy case right about here. <laughs> Surprisingly not underwater. Yeah. And apparently somebody turns on some uh, heavy metal because Cyclops starts head banging and inadvertently whacks his head against the mummy's sarcophagus, which shatters yeah. to pieces. Good thing this hood is taking the brunt of my blows. <laughs> yeah. The Good. water apparently is gone at this point. Yeah. The water is no longer a threat. Um. Yeah, and so he, he smashes the sarcophagus apart with his head. Alex comes out and says, "Oh, thanks, brother. Now let's go." So, the what? living pharaoh carted Scott and Alex all the way over to presumably Egypt mm -hmm. to uh, to to kill them and then walk away while they were dying to drown them in the pyramid basement. Why don't you just throw them out the plane? <laughs> it would have made If he wasn't going to watch them anyway. Why not just tie their hands, tie their legs, and well, push them out the, the plane? Keep Cyclops in the box he was in and throw them into the ocean. <laughs> don't even take them out of their box. That's a good point. Yeah, 
just throw the sarcophagus in the box into the ocean and you're done with them. Well, maybe the next couple of paid panels will enlighten us. So the next panel, uh, so they escaped uh, uh, handily from the water. We don't even see how that happens. So it was so easy. <laughs> they they literally like just walked up the stairs or something. Yeah, not only that, but they're outside now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Like apparently whatever door was there. About uh, one minute later, it says. <laughs> <laughs> no maze, no locked doors, no traps, nothing. They just walk right out. Uh, and uh, they start punching these slave guys. And in the next panel, the living pharaoh is talking to himself, as you do when you're a villain. And you're taking a dump. (laughs) He is sitting on the toilet. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, he's just alone with his thoughts in his his office, if you will. It can be moments away, the reward of years of searching and scheming. So I have to think that bringing Alex to Egypt and killing him somehow charges something that allows him to get his power or something or whatever he's after. Right? All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because then the one of the slaves is like, oh, great Pharaoh, the prisoners are free. Now, if it's literally just moments, then you say, guards, uh, make sure those two guys don't get anywhere near me because in a few moments it won't matter. But he's like, no, you got to get them. Because the thing, it's not going to work if they, this is a bad news. Strike them down without mercy. Wasn't he going to kill Alex last issue in the, the museum or wherever they were? I thought so. Like, wasn't he about to do it? Yeah, I thought so. And then, then that's when Cyclops came in. Oh, and that's when the Pharaoh feigned his death. Right. So change of plans. I'm going to bring them to Egypt and kill them here because... That will satisfy my years of searching and scheming. That's right, because he was uh, only going to kill Alex because Alex was the only uh, presumably presumable person that could stop him because he was a mutant and apparently the only mutant that the Pharaoh knew of. Right. Who actually hasn't developed any mutant powers yet. So the least effective mutant in the Marvel Universe at this point was his In fact, he's lost his mutant powers because he used to shoot from his hands. Uh, Good point. So Cyclops uh, somehow got his mask off. They don't actually say how, but... Uh, well, Alex helped him pull it off sure. somehow. Yeah. But, so, but, I mean, if Alex could help pull off this mask, couldn't Cyclops have just pulled it off by himself? Uh, it literally does not say. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it goes from, oh... Oh, I need some Excedrin from when I hit your sarcophagus to them punching people and Cyclops blasting them now. Hmm. <laughs> and the slaves are kind of like, uh, we can overrun them, maybe overwhelm them with our numbers, but we're not really doing that effective of a job by ourselves. Having freshly pooed, <laughs> the living pharaoh runs onto the scene. Man, I feel lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Waving his onk about. Yeah. Stand back that the living pharaoh may send them to their ancestors. Embattled as they are, they will never... Wait! Something has stopped, holding me back. And now I'm lifted into the very sky? Such a thing is impossible. Six impossible things. Yeah, and the person performing this impossible task is Angel, who... That's also impossible. (laughs) Was last we saw... In, like, the New York Harbor, floating on a defective Quinjet. Yep. How did... It's never explained. How did the X-Men get to Egypt, for God's sakes? Well, how did the X-Men figure out where they were, and how did they get there? They followed Iceman's hunch. They're like, oh. Yeah, they checked out every pyramid. <laughs> we need to go to Egypt where the pyramids are. It just happened to be the first one. How about that one? Oh, my gosh. Well, they had Marvel Girls, so Marvel Girls like, hmm. Third pyramid to the left. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel whips around the living pharaoh a few times and and By drops his cape. Yeah, and drops him off at the very tippy top of a pyramid, which had to have hurt. Yes, <laughs> one would think. And then, yeah, he's stuck at the top of a pyramid. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty badass. I mean, he's not getting down from that anytime soon. And if he does, it'll probably end up at death, right? At the top of a pyramid. You would think. 
So Iceman, he, he oh look, there he's coming out of the airplane. Oh yeah, they so, got the airplane working somehow. So they got to roll a duct tape out, <laughs> tape the joystick back on, and f- this doesn't make any sense. Iceman starts freezing slaves left and right, and it's explained that since they're not used to the cold power, they stay frozen. So that's helpful. Yeah. Cyclops is just regular people. Yeah. That also helps. I guess they aren't mutants or superpowered by any means, are they? Cyclops thinks to himself, it's a good thing that the X-Men are here. My optic blasts were getting weaker by the second, and I was afraid for Alex with no mutant power to help him. He seems Except to be, for his natural athleticism. He seems to really be dwelling on the fact that, good thing Alex isn't a mutant. Yeah. Because it's not like we could use some mutant powers right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they, they are quite handily taking care of these human slaves. Beast is just smashing them together and stepping on them. And he's playing this one like a pair of bongos. He, he actually kind of looks like Donkey Kong here. <laughs> on the bottom left, like from, I don't know, Donkey Konga or Donkey Kong Country. Looks like he's about to start slapping him on the head. Yeah. Alex continues punching away at slaves, and Cyclops thinks, Thank heaven, that's all that Alex possesses, referring to his uh, fighting ability. I want him to lead a normal life, not like me. <laughs> Continuing to dwell on the mutant thing. And apparently the living pharaoh who's way up top at the pit on top of the pyramid still oh. here's beast mentioned that uh alex is cyclops's sibling he's got super hearing maybe that's his mutant power i don't where does beast say that oh you're right there i see Beast says say look at how cyclops's sibling is handling himself mm-hmm. and then the uh no. right after cyclops thinks i'm glad he's not a mutant essentially the uh, Living Pharaoh says, so, two of the unbeliever, unbelievers are brothers and both mutants. Then yeah. each of them may be th- the threat that I must vanquish. Well, but there's the rest of the X-Men. Not are to all mention mutants. these other four mutants that are here. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to worry about them, though. <laughs> and, yep, he is still at the very top of this uh, uh, pyramid, and uh, he is about to strike down at the X-Men. But before he can, a wave of shocking, stinging force buffets him. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. You know what else buffets? A fan. (laughs) So apparently whoever's doing this has the power of a mighty fan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it turns out that it's actually Alex who's waving his arms and creating a force to be emitted from his hands i guess yeah steam is coming out of his hands (laughs) he has the power of steam i just gestured as if by some kind of reflex action and i blasted him off the pyramid great raw save me which rather than like i mean he must have blasted him pretty far away Mm-hmm. Cause he's falling down and not falling down the side of the pyramid. <laughs> he's falling straight down through the air. The pyramid, you can't even, there's, there's no side of the pyramid. There's, there's like a rock foundation in the very lower left corner. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell because once again, there's no background. There's just this redness that's occurring. Mm. So yes. he, he could be falling at an angle and it's just, you know, it's just drawing oh, yeah. that he's falling straight <laughs> down much like the, uh, the word balloons in that issue, the last issue that bothered me so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God those aren't back. Anyways, uh, Angel catches the living pharaoh for some reason. And um, I don't know what. Oh, he says, that's funny. First time we fought this creep, this creep's hands had powers as well. But now he's helpless, weak as a proverbial kitten. So he's slowly been getting weaker. Flee, my servitors, the living pharaoh. So, last issue, he did have the ability to shoot beams from his hands, and now he's reverted back to his... Oh, so maybe that's why his Ankh was only stunning Cyclops earlier. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense, because he used his Ankh to take down that airplane. And he was about to use the Ankh to kill Cyclops and uh, Alex, despite the fact that knowing that it doesn't really work that well on Cyclops. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. 
Well, anyways, the servants... Maybe it doesn't work close up. <laughs> it's a... He was like doing those point-blank shots, but now he was on top of a pyramid really far away. He had time to build it up. When he took out the plane, he was pretty far away. Yeah, it's a ranged weapon. <laughs> Long-distance onk. Yeah. Uh, so the servants, they run off, and... Uh... The living pharaoh tells them to run, to flee. Flee, my servitors. Flee till once more I summon you. And so they do. Ice Away, my brothers, to the place of the sleeping sun. So that just tell. I mean, I don't know. That just tells me that they're somehow, like, telepathically connected, or they're... I, I don't know. They're not just... They're, they're a little bit more than human. Or else they're just very bored, and the place of the sleeping sun is literally like a hotel somewhere in the yeah. outskirts of Cairo where they're going to hang out, waiting, <laughs> waiting for the phone call. Uh, Iceman says, but what about Alex? To which Alex says, me? What about the X-Men? Or what about me, X-Men? Hey, why is everybody looking at me like that? Why? Did I lose my pants again? <laughs> you standing there in a tun in like a tunic or something. <laughs> don't you see alex don't you realize what just happened in a moment of stress you reacted revealed an awesome power you never knew you had and that can only mean that you alex summers are a mutant dun, dun, dun. next issue the power not only that but i mean angel's face actually has that music like written all over it yeah, they're all really, really, I mean, Iceman, too. They all have this kind of upside-down smiley face. <laughs> they're all like, oh, my God, someone is a mutant in this issue of X-Men? We've never encountered mutants before. What do we do? doesn't make any sense. Where's the professor? Mind-wipe somebody, <laughs> quickly. But, I mean, really, should Cyclops be all that surprised? Or are we still... Not according to last issue, where he knew his brother was a mutant. Yeah. Well, for... and to be fair, Cyclops doesn't look that surprised. From one phoned-in issue to another, we go to the origins of the Uncanny X-Men, where Angels Dare to Tread is the name of this angel origin. Edited by Stan Lee, written by Roy Thomas. Again, uh, a second part, which was originally conceived by Arnold Drake. Yeah. Let's hope this one is better than the last one. No, it won't be. Werner Roth, artist, <laughs> inked and lettered by Sam Granger. Ooh, double time. I know. Does he, do you think he gets paid two paychecks for that? He better. <laughs> or he's getting ripped off. And uh, in one of the buildings, it says, Winter, 1963. A waiting world still basks in ignorance of names it will shortly idolize. Names like The Beatles, Barbara Streisand, The Amazing Spider-Man, and perhaps The Avenging Angel. Here, at the Twilight Zone. Yep. Um, yeah. So... I think it's, uh, I mean, I, I know it's meaningless, but there's only a handful of comic books, at least in the X-Men run, where they specifically call out the date. That's true. And so, you know, it, it makes, I mean, as they call the dates out, you know, 20 years has passed, but the characters are like literally a year older than they were the last time they called out a date. So I know it's they meaningless. Also, uh, they also make an, a note to... Uh, mentioned that even though he's called the avenging angel it was prior to the avengers comic book oh right yes they do uh 1963 occurred before the avengers but not not too far before it doesn't matter <laughs> angels flying around in in a costume that i think is actually a little bit cooler than the one that he's got now yeah. For example, he doesn't have uh, suspenders, and he's got like this little angel halo on his chest, and yes, he's yeah. got the, the halo symbol. Yeah, and it's it's a red costume, which is kind of neat. And apparently, his weapon of choice is a uh, smoke emitting pistol. Yes, a gas gun. Yeah. He's um, uh, he's doing his nightly rounds, crime fighting. He decides to tell himself or think to himself that it's a good thing the costume he patched together keeps out the cold. Otherwise, he'd have cost, caught a first-class case of pneumonia, which I don't understand why that's in here. 
Because <laughs> somebody somewhere was like, if he couldn't fly around, he'd be cold. <laughs> All right, let's address that in the thought bubble. Yeah, and he does. He he flies into this uh, warehouse burglary and fires gas upon them. And he pulls out his trusty walkie-talkie to let the police know that he busted uh, the warehouse burglars. Mm, not just he. The avenging angel busted up the warehouse burglary. Right. One of the gang is on feet and he's running away. But the angel swoops in and punches him in the face. But not before telling him, and the name is the avenging angel. Yeah, so this is where we really get a taste of um, his ego. But I guess that's kind of par for the course for most uh, solo superheroes. Because wasn't that Spider-Man's big thing in the early days? Is to, he had like business cards printed up and his little Spider-Man <laughs> flashlight. Like, look, Spider-Man did this. This was a job for Spider-Man. And for like the first 10 or 20 issues, like, Spider-Who? What? I don't understand who you are. Something like that. So the angel's trying to make a name for himself. Yeah. And he paints a little uh, flashing um, halo on the wall. That would be his insignia, I guess. But uh, the police are like, what is that circle? I don't know. It's just some graffiti. <laughs> just some kind of kid gang symbol. What's a kid gang? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. A gang full of kids. <laughs> Probably no connection to this crazy keeper. <laughs> Let's just ignore it. Let's not photograph the area, dust for prints or anything. Just ignore it. And then to make matters worse, uh, Warren hears on the radio, and the and nor were the nor were the captured criminals able to shed light much light on their capture. One partially deaf member of the <laughs> gang claims he was attacked by a man with wings. However, he is a known pathological liar. What? Just my <laughs> luck. Thousands of two boot hoods in this town, and the old Warren's got to pick out a known liar who didn't even catch my fancy new name. Oh, well, tomorrow's another day. So this is all just... What are the, what are the odds? <laughs> I know. So this is just a big ego trip for him, where he's just like, I'm Avenging Angel. Know my name. He's not <laughs> doing it for, like, the good of humanity or to raise rent money like Spider-Man. So no, He doesn't need rent money. He He's... Yeah, we get a little uh, suits. Yeah, he well we get a, on the next page we get a, a little flashback to um wait a minute. Oh, yes, we get Mr. War, Warren Worthington II and his mother, I guess. Although I don't remember his mother being so so portly. No, that's his landlord. Oh, okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. She's all like rents $80 a month in advance. Don't want any... Fl okay. I thought this was as the mother being like, well, the rent's $80 a month in advance. Don't want any fly-by-nights in here. You know, like, uh, uh, Warren, I know how you like to treat the ladies, so... No, no. The landlord doesn't want somebody... The, the, the landlord wants the money in advance in case... I to uh, yeah. Warren's just planning on using the place and not paying for it. I, I totally misread this chapter. This, this was, <laughs> I, that Totally, yeah. Now I got it. So apparently uh, Angel makes little gas bombs out of ping pong balls. And... So he injects gas into <laughs> ping pong balls and then fires them with a flare gun. <laughs> and he says to himself, science was never my strongest point, but... So he's, <laughs> he's playing around with chemicals and stuff that he doesn't understand, injecting them into a... I'm going to say a flare gun, too. I mean, what else is going to have the propellant to shoot a ping pong ball filled with gas? Right. At? So why he hasn't, like, blown himself up yet is a complete mystery. <laughs> this is this is really, like, the epitome of just phoning it in. He's apparently on summer break. They mentioned he's got two more months, and it's back to the academy. So he's trying to make a name for himself before that. So my question, though, is that, like, he... the the writer of this particular issue felt it was so cool that he had this gun yet so important that they have this backstory that they had to make up this backstory here about the gas filled ping pong balls wasn't it good enough just to have angel flying around punching people why does he have to have this <laughs> gas filled gun i don't know <laughs> it doesn't make any sense well, anyways, Cyclops and um, Iceman, uh, the only... I think that'll actually come into play later, actually. Oh, okay. I'm sure it'll be a very important plot point that'll change everything. But we everything. won't remember it, because it'll be next week. 
Um, Iceman and Cyclops are watching TV when they hear about this mutant uh, guy flying around. Vigilante, if you will. A guy with wings. Hey, Scotty, could he be another mutant? How to say, Bobby? Couldn't be the vulture. Wait, we're getting a mental summons from Professor X. So the professor is eavesdropping on their conversation. I think as you would if you were the... I mean, remember, like before he pulled these X-Men together, he'd been living in exile for months or years. So he's lonely. (laughs) Are they talking about me? Are they talking about me? Are they talking about me? No. They're talking about me. Oh, they didn't say nice things. Wait, I'm look tracking a mutant. Students, to me at once. (laughs) I've located another mutant near where those thugs were captured. Go get him. Then Bobby says, a good mutant or an evil one? And the professor starts into this kind of thing. It's impossible to say, we do not live in a world of lucid blacks and whites, Bobby, but in a cosmos of endlessly shifting grays. Right now, whether that mutant we've located uses his power for good or evil may well depend on us. To which I disagree. They kind of live in a world of black and white. Well, Adam... The Marvel Universe may be black and white, but I think the professor speaks volumes towards the world that we presently live in, which is definitely filled in a cosmos of endlessly shifting grays. And I think the people (laughs) out there with their political differences and, and all of their other differences could learn a lot from a statement such as that. Things aren't a lucid black and white. It's a good panel. It's a good message. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It's poignant. Shut up, professor. <laughs> Shut up, you crazy old man. Let's go get that. Let's go punch that evil mutant. So off they go, uh, but um, Angel is out uh, flying around and happens to come across a robbery at the Atomic Institute. You know what happens whenever there's a robbery at the Atomic Institute? Somebody's going to get it radiated. A Sandman is created. <laughs> this is the night I build my rep. Uh Uh-oh. One of the hoods is firing wildly. Knocked the gas gun out of my hand. If it breaks, it'll take me hours to make a new one. Oh, so it's not a flare gun. It's it's a contraption that he made himself. Yeah, it's it's a gas gun. He wasn't very good in science. He still has the art of launching projectiles out of a small contraption down. Hmm. Okay. He dives down into the gas to catch it, manages to catch it, but suddenly he feels funny. And he determines that it's because maybe the gases that he concocted were mixed wrong. That I can buy. Oh, well, it can't do any harm. What? (laughs) (laughs) But shouldn't he feel funny because of the gases? I mean, it's knockout gas. Yeah, but it can't do any harm. (laughs) He clearly says that right here. Main thing Main is thing is I liberated this vial the crooks were after. Whatever it is, I'll return it to the institute tomorrow. But that'll make front page news of the avenging angel. I can wait a few more hours. This wait. is the terrible plan. We never see him liberating the vial of uh, He drops the gun, he goes and flies so... and catches the gun, and then he swoops up and talks about how he feels funny and he mixed the gas wrong, but it's going to be harmless. And in the next panel, he's got this vial. When did he get the vial? I don't know. The The crook in the first panel has the vial and drops it. Oh, okay. But I, it doesn't show when. Like, maybe he swooped down and also grabbed the vial. <laughs> he grabbed his gun and the vial. Okay. Yeah. Well, so he heads back to his apartment and away. But why doesn't he go with his old plan where he calls the cops then he could just leave the vial there. Yeah. But I guess he would rather, I, I don't know. I feel like somebody's rushing to get this story completed because they no longer want to do X-Men Origins. <laughs> you think? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think. Because we don't get, I mean, there's no backstory into why he wants to be the Avenging Angel. I feel like if this was the uh, Cyclops, Iceman, or Beast story, there'd have been a little thing where somebody stole his parents' pocket watch or something. He'd be like, ooh, <laughs> this makes me so angry. You know, it's, it's not quite as powerful as Batman's death or, or parents' story here, but, uh, you know, it's something that motivates Angel. And he's like, I'm going to be an avenging angel. And then yeah. they, they got a story right there. You, got, you can easily put five pages around that. But instead, we go right from him saving his... Um, 
his his buddies at school to being the avenging angel. Well, they can't kill his dad because they they did that in the future. Well, they're not going to kill his dad. I never said that, Adam. It would be much lamer than Batman's story. It would be like a, <laughs> like his mom's purse got stolen, and she and he's well, like, what is he avenging? His mom's purse being stolen. <laughs> but there was like a priceless ring or like a baby picture of Warren in there or something. He's like, ooh, I will never stop my quest until I get that purse back. Yeah. Anyways, so Iceman and Cyclops are waiting at uh, Angel's apartment, and they're like, hey. I would be pissed off if I came in <laughs> and Iceman was sitting in my chair. You know, he's all he's all iced up, or actually not iced up, but snowed up. So he, Yeah, so either, the chair, your chair would be soaked. That chair is ruined. <laughs> there's gonna, jerk. There's going to be mold problems because that water is just going <laughs> to sit there and just develop into black mold. Angel's got allergies, so he's going to get, like, lymphozema or something. <laughs> or lymphoma. Uh, whatever. Anyways, uh, the the X-Men are basically like, hey, you're a mutant. Do you want to join the X-Men? And Angel's like, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> and then next, the decision. Sonny, the Avenging Angel is strictly a loner, and anybody who pushes me gets leaned on hard. Ooh, that sounds sexy. <laughs> next issue, the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I scanned through the letters section here, and uh, I have one guy here who says, usually Arnold Drake turns out a great script, but even he failed us this time in X-Men number 51. Oh, man. Yeah. That was the one that was, that was the second issue drawn by Jim Stranko, but also written by Arnold Drake. That's too bad. Yeah. And then another person who said that uh, it feels like the X-Men are losing a little bit of touch here. They're not quite as good as they used to be. Please stop shifting uh, writers as often as you do. And then there's another letter in here that promises big changes coming up soon. Things that will rock our world. And then next, the most shocking X-Men saga yet. I am so excited for that, Adam. <laughs> apparently the most shocking saga ever will be a story about the power what is the power well there you have it folks x-men number 55 yeah. i have i have good news things are going to start getting better in the x-men universe no way <laughs> no way so I I uh, this is uh, I I I'm scared that we will have less material to um, play with, and it might start getting more like, well, that's a neat idea, that's a good drawing. I nothing like wrong where, with that. I like where this is going. There's nothing wrong with that. So, dear listeners, if you notice a marked turn in the style of our podcast, it's based upon the material that we're dealing with. Because I have a feeling... So if you're here for the nitpickery, <laughs> well, it'll still be there, no but worry. maybe in less quantity. There might be less nitpicking. Um, yeah, we're seeing some more likes out there on Facebook. Always like to see that. Uh, some comments out on the Facebook page. Like to see some more people out there commenting on the Facebook page. Like to see some more reviews on the iTunes page. All that stuff is is what keeps us going. So you can reach us at www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Go to www.redcatproductions forward slash Danger Room. And while you're there, check out some of the other creative materials that exist. Uh, go out to iTunes and search for Danger Room, or like the first hit, or X-Men, like the third hit. Write us a little review. Adam just submitted us to the Stitcher directory. That's a neat thing you can use on your Android or your iPhone to subscribe to various podcasts and catch them and listen to them. I think you can download them there, but uh, for sure, whenever there's a new episode posted, it'll it'll blink at you and tell you there's a new episode. So that's that's kind of a cool thing. And you can tweet us at Go Danger Room Podcast. Go podcast. <laughs> so close. Danger, danger, danger. Danger, danger room. Go. Danger Room Go. And we are still taking applicants for our official tweeter. We would love to turn that account over to somebody who would just tweet for us. We've got a few guys in mind, but, um, you know, we're, we're still looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you don't have anybody in mind. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. You're supposed to like really, really talk it up. Like, we're taking only ten applicants, and there's only space for two more. So get your applicants in soon, otherwise you may lose out on a great opportunity. Uh, and that's it. Anything, anything else you wanna you wanna tell the fine folks at home, Adam? No. Next episode, we're gonna read the remaining Facebook likers. Oh, that's right. That's right. One last week to uh, like us and have your name read on our podcast immortalized until next week the danger room is closed I'm <laughs> <laughs>